Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 351, is there a step up in basis on a joint tenants with rights of survivorship brokerage account? And is there any advantage to setting the account up that way? Is a charitable remainder trust a good idea to liquidate a property? And what would be the rate of return on that over 20 years? If your entire estate is going to charity, is there any point in doing Roth conversions? Get ready for an answer you rarely hear on YMYW for that one. Also, should you name your spouse or your trust as the beneficiary of your retirement accounts? When should you draw from Social Security, a pension, and an annuity in retirement? How do Social Security survivor benefits work again? Plus, converting to Roth from a TSP thrift savings plan. Click Ask Joe and Al on air at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to send in your money questions as an email or as a voicemail, which gets first priority like the one coming up from Mike. I'm producer Andy Last with the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson CFP and Big Al Clopine CPA. And here's our first question of the day. Hello, Joe, Al, and Andy. This is Mike from Tucson, Arizona. I drive a 2011 Subaru Outback with 100,000 miles on it and currently am enjoying a 60-minute IPA from Doc Fisher. My question is regarding a joint tenancy with right of survivorship brokerage account my mom set up after the passing of my grandmother in 2018. The owners are my mom, my sister, and myself. A few questions. Besides avoiding probate, was there any advantage to setting up this account in this manner? Two, after my mother passes, is there a step up in bases in this type of account? And lastly, the account is currently worth around $100,000 with $20,000 of gain. My current plan was to have my mom sell off the funds annually to the top of the 0% capital gains tax bracket and repurchase in her TOD brokerage account as I'm currently consolidating and simplifying her portfolio's asset allocation as she prepares for retirement in a few years. From what I've read, it appears that the tax liability for my sister and I can be controlled in this manner, and only my mom will need to then pay tax on this money. Does this sound reasonable? Additional info is my mom will be in the 10 to 12% tax bracket in her retirement, whereas my sister and I are currently in the 24% marginal tax bracket. Thank you for your outstanding podcast. Oh, Mike. Outstanding. Yeah, pretty intelligent. You, Thank you, you know, for your guy, outstanding you question, Mike. Did. Mike, do you need a job? We're looking. <laughs> I'm, uh, Al and I are thinking about retiring. Yeah, right. Um, you want to take over our <laughs> yeah, jobs. I think, right, exactly. This guy is he's tight. He's super tight. So let's talk about a few different things that he's throwing out here. Um, because a common mistake happens um, because everyone hears about probate. Right. And then they think that, oh, there's going to be an estate tax. There's going to be everything. It's going to be really bad. So let's avoid it. Right. Um, one way to avoid that is just to put, you know, your beneficiaries on title with you. Right. So it's like, all right, Al, I got this brokerage account of $100,000. You're my beneficiary. So let me just put you as a joint owner on it. And if I pass, you just take ownership of the overall account. We avoid any type of courts, any right. BS. Sure. It's just easy peasy. Right. Um, the problem with that is um, there's a few. <laughs> there's several. <laughs> First of all, um, we could talk about the obvious. Is that Big Al now is a joint owner of my account? Yeah, and I can do anything I want <laughs> you can with do it, what you want. <laughs> regardless of what you want me to do. If you oh, take really? it and go to Hawaii, it's yours, I, right? I, I'll see you. <laughs> I'm like Big Al, <laughs> I looked up the account. Um, it's only fifty grand in there. Um, yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, put, I'll put the rest in as soon as i win big in yeah, vegas yeah. had a little party yeah right um, <laughs> so there's an issue there um another issue is how about if uh big al's in vegas right and then you do something stupid which you would never do <laughs> but let's say you do actually well we should do this the other way you're in vegas yes. and i put you on my account right and then i do something stupid and let's say i get sued right right and then they want $100,000 from me. Right. 
And it's like, okay, well, this is Al's money, but I'm on the account as joint owner. Right. Well, that money's available it's for that lawsuit. Completely available, right? So they're taking big Al's money. Right. Because I got in a fight with a dealer for yeah, yeah. you know giving me a bad hand. <laughs> right, right. Or what if uh what if you get divorced and then all of a sudden your ex-spouse wants half of my money. Yeah. Right. Or Annie, she gets divorced. Yeah. She's going to take my money. She's going to take yours. Yeah. Like... We got joint tendency going <laughs> each direction. Not a chance. And then furthermore, there's potentially a gift tax problem because when you put someone as joint tendency, now you've basically given them a half. gift. So right. have you filed a gift tax return? And then finally, as far as step up and basis, and this gets confusing, whether it's a community property state or not, but the general rule is that, that, that you would only get a half step up in basis because basically you gave her half the account, unless you can prove this is more your money, which is messy, especially if it was 20, 30 years over time. Sure. So um, I don't like that either. So I would I would rather her do set up a trust and do this this properly. Or at at a hundred thousand dollars, if if they got to you know transfer if, if, death, if that's if that's it, you, yeah. you know, then yeah. you're fine. And I so um, putting uh, kids, grandkids, friends, nieces, nephew as joint is usually never a really good idea. Um, it does avoid probate. That's the only pro. There's a, a lot more cons. Yeah. And, and it is common. I mean, my grandmother did that with my dad. It, it can work, but <laughs> there are there are uh, risks, I guess. Right. Right. Um, OK. And so let's say so we talked about when your mom passes, is there a step up in basis? No, only half. So but I, I really love his other strategy. He's like, Me OK, too. mom, you're in the 10 or 12 percent tax bracket. You know, you have a twenty thousand dollar gain. Why don't we just shave this thing off a little bit? Why don't we right. rebalance it and then we can sell up to, uh, you know, the top of the 12 and pay zero percent um, capital gains tax on it. Right. And so you could do that over time and bleed out the gain at a zero percent cost. And then rebalance it into like um, yeah, your, what, your TLD account. What, yeah, whatever is more appropriate for the investments. The only the only negative there is Arizona may charge a little bit of tax. Because at least that's the way it works in California. So it's tax free federal, but not necessarily tax free in California. So check and see the see what the Arizona tax is. Maybe it's minor. Maybe it's still a great strategy. So yeah, yeah, it's still probably pennies on the dollar probably. versus yeah. you know, maybe the As, other hassles. Especially if you want to rebalance anyway. That's a great way to do it. Right. Um, and then you have, you know, three parties on it too. Yeah. You know, then that even um exacerbates. Is that the right <laughs> word? Wow, that's exacerbates. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think there's no T in there. Okay, whatever. <laughs> um, see, I didn't do my warm-up. That was that was good though. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're doing the show this in the morning. Usually yeah. we do it in the afternoon when we're kind of you know, fresh. We got, we got, I don't know, we've got the cobwebs out. Now we're just, this is just us raw just, today, right? Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, um, cobwebs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> got to do my, my voice. Um, you know, I spent an hour doing you know, voice. Uh, <laughs> you do that as you drive into work? Yes, I yeah, do. That's what I thought. Uh, brown cow. It's why, that's why no one can ride with you. <laughs> you would drive them crazy. Oh, all right. Um, so very good, Mike. Appreciate uh, the question. We got Lauren from Traverse City, Michigan, writes in. Take a question from a girl. What does that mean? Apparently, we get a whole bunch of questions from men, and it sounds like Lauren has not heard a question from a girl in a while. So, Lauren, you're up. Well, I think we, we read every question we get. Yep. Male or female, so we don't discriminate. Wow, she's like, she probably she's <laughs> wanting to give us a couple two uh, yeah, stars. One, one star I think what our one listenership star. is like eighty percent male or something like that. So well, is really we got to do a better job. Yeah, Andy, you need to talk more. Hi, Andy, Joe, and Mister Al. 
I download every podcast and post and enjoy listening while I ride my bike and run around the neighborhood. All right. Run around the neighborhood. Sure. Um, I drive a 2008 Saab and I don't drink. I have a special needs dog named Jasper and a cat too. My question is, of course, the dreaded Roth conversion, but with the twist, I have about $5 million in investable assets, all self-made. Way to go, Lauren, from Traverse City. All right. Like Boom. It. Like it. $1.9 million in after-tax investments and $3 million in retirement. Killing the game. In retirement accounts, I have $950,000 in Roth money already, and the rest is pre-tax. I know the conventional wisdom is to slowly convert the 401k to a Roth between the time I retire and the time I take the RMDs. But all of my estate goes to charity upon my death. I don't want to prepay taxes on the 401k when charities are tax-exempt. Should I take my chances and just take the RMDs when required or convert each sum each year to stay in the 12% tax bracket or part way into the 22% tax bracket, or I'm 60 and will retire next year. I'm expecting I'll only need about $80,000 a year to maintain my standard of living. Any suggestions? All right. Top of the mitt. You know where that is? Do not. Top Traverse of the mitt? City. Right here. Michigan. Top of, top of the oh, mitt. The mitt. Okay. Got like it. You, you use your hand yes, as I, the state of Michigan. I got it. Now. It's a mitt. I got it. Um, I got some good news for you, Lauren. Yeah, what do you got? You're not going to convert anything. Yeah, I'm thinking the same. Do not convert so, a dime. Why do you say that? Because she can give her RMDs directly to charity up to $100,000. You bet. And um, you're good to go. So we got, uh, at the moment, about $2 million in a in, in a in a pre-tax retirement account. And she's so, 60? 60. So maybe that's $4 million. Well, maybe it's, let's call it three. Just be conservative. $3 million by age 72. Okay. Maybe a little more. So that would be about 120,000 yep. is, is the income. And I don't know if she's single or married, but you know, whatever she, she could, she can do up to a hundred thousand dollars of that in, or no. Well, it depends if she's, does it say she's single or married? No, I don't think so. So she could do, well, it's still a hundred thousand, hundred thousand. I'm thinking I'm, I'm confusing myself. So she can do a hundred thousand dollars of the RMD. So that means you only pay tax on $20,000, keeping you in the lowest bracket. Uh, not to worry too much. And, and of course, this is, it's called a qualified charitable um, distribution. distribution. Thank you. And, uh, and that's the current law. And that was actually a, it was actually a trial, if you will, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was in 2018, that 17, that they made it permanent. So hopefully that sticks. But if that's the case, if you're planning to give the money to charity anyway, you don't really have to convert because you can just give that RMD directly to charity. Here's the only caveat to that though. And let, let's say you, you live into your nineties, your RMD could be a lot higher and, and you can't give enough to charity where you'll be in a high enough tax bracket that you would have wished you converted a little bit in low brackets when you're younger. So that would be the only caveat to that. Right. If you have room in the 12%, maybe do a little bit. Maybe do. Yeah. Just, just don't go up high. Yeah. I mean, if you retire, if you're retired and you don't have a lot of income, maybe, yeah, I, I agree with that. Do the, due to the 12%, just, just to mitigate some of the future taxes in your eighties and, and beyond. Right. 
Um, yeah, because if you have life, because the older you get, the RMD is just, just going to compound. On right, right. And you're going to be taking $100,000 out per year. In, in the RMDs are going to still supersede that. Yeah, they're you're going to have right. like two, three hundred thousand dollars RMDs in your 80s. I know. And right. you're going to be potentially can, stuck in, in into the right. highest brackets. And right. You're really not going to be happy then. No, not particularly. No. Although you could you could potentially take the rest of the RMD and, and give that give to, it charity. to charity and then so. have a have a tax write off depending on yeah depending upon how the rule how the, laws how the, are at that yeah, point how the laws are at that yeah point. so so uh, there's still there's still a lot of ways to think about this but but yeah i think by and large lauren you don't really need to do roth conversions if you want to do to the top of the 12 percent, just to give yourself more flexibility we're good with that but i wouldn't do any more than that yep um congratulations yeah self, um, self-made that's yes. fantastic way to go uh you know looking at uh the amount of wealth that you've accumulated um I would um, sit back and be proud. Yep. So yeah, me too. Uh, congrats there. Uh, let's uh, switch to um, Rick. Okay. Um, I have eight plus rentals remaining in my portfolio. Dave. <laughs> I guess it was an email to Dave. Dave Clark, I'm assuming. Yep. I have eight plus rentals. Email Dave. What does this mean? I don't know. Sent this email to to Dave Clark and then Dave Clark forwarded it to me and said, please have this answered on the podcast. Oh yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, All right. A plus rentals. Yeah. And they're not, they're not, (laughs) they're not, they're not even A or A minus. They're yeah. They're, they're top. I thought you said eight. No, you said A plus. A A plus. A plus rentals. Who's who's the ranking service of rentals? (laughs) Rick is. You know, let me think. I got they're not they're they're not just A, they're A plus. Oh my God. I mean, you think it pretty highly. Who would say I've got C minus rentals? I think I want to get rid of Let's go to Gary from Illinois. I have F rentals. I want to get rid of all of them. How do I do it? (laughs) <laughs> oh my god all right a plus rentals remaining in my portfolio i was considering doing a charitable remainder trust to liquidate one property due yeah. to the capital gains of both yeah i have low basis and have depreciated the property for many years that would need to be recaptured the net value is about three million gross income seventy three hundred dollars per month um, i'm 75 years old therefore this is the right time to make this move uh, the one unknown question that i'm really interested in knowing would be the rate of return for 20 years. Um, all right. So we got a minute to answer this. <laughs> we do. So a charitable remainder trust, or another word for it would be like a tax exempt trust. So you would put the property in the trust. The trust sells the property. There is no tax due. Okay. Correct. Then Rick, you would reallocate those assets, the $3 million. You would have $3 million sitting in your trust. You would sell it. No taxes due. And then you would invest that any way that you want. So what is the rate of return over 20 years? Well, if you pick CDs, it would probably be 2%. If you had a globally diversified portfolio, it could be 6%. Right. The question that you really want to have answered is how much income that you want from the CRUD. Right. And if you're at 75 years of age, it depends if you're single or married, but I'm going to assume you're single just because it's easier to think about it. So, so now the way a, a charitable trust works is you're supposed to get 90% of the principal back over your lifetime. So you're probably going to get 15 or 20% of the principal every year. So year one, 20% of 3 million is 600,000. So that's more than the 100,000 that you're getting right now. So much, much higher income can be a great way to go. At age 75, though, you might want to do a 20-year certain 
instead of lifetime. That way, if you have beneficiaries, they would take over your payment if you pass away. All right. Uh, Candace uh, writes in, when naming a beneficiary for a Roth 401k, is it better to name my wife as an individual or name the living trust? She is the only person that I ever want to receive my Roth 401k. Okay. All right. Candace. The only person ever. <laughs> um, really simple question here uh, or simple answer. Yes. Is yes. Name the person always. Yeah. The individual. You can go into your four reasons, and all the trusts and <laughs> just, just the individual. That's how you want it. If people name a living trust. Oh, here we go. It will, in some <laughs> cases, blow you up. How in some cases. It's got to be a see-through trust. See-through, look-through trust. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you know, it's got to have delivery requirements. It's got to... You can't know, have a non-person non- beneficiary. Yes, yeah, see? see? I've been listening to you over the years. <laughs> yeah, you learned. Oh, yeah, and you have to... You have to notify somebody. Yeah, a there's a delivery requirement. Yeah, right. Yeah, you got to have the trust delivered to the 401k provider. Just do the individual. Individual. Just do, um, just do your wife. That, because, that works. You know what we've seen because, well, the issue with trust today is completely different because of the stretch IRA as well. That That is true. I agree. Um, so name the individual so I don't have to go on my, um, <laughs> your, my, my your whole deal. Yeah, my trust as the beneficiary <laughs> rant. I think we just got a bit of that trust as a beneficiary rant. To make this stuff a lot easier later, get your estate in order now and present your loved ones with your completed estate plan organizer. It includes a list for you of all the documents to provide to your family and a convenient place to record all of the information that they'll need. Download the blank estate plan organizer from the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Fill out everything from your financial account details and your insurance policies to your contacts and your final wishes. Then put it in a safe place and give a copy to your family. Don't forget to update it regularly. To get your free estate plan organizer, just click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app, and you'll see it right there under free resources. I got Mary right in. She's like, hey, I'm a single person I'm at full retirement age. Still working those three-legged stools. You, you got a three-legged stool there, bud? Yeah, I got one. Are you working it? I, I, yeah. Oh, which includes uh, for Mary, <laughs> uh, Social Security benefits, uh, a small pension, uh, terrible, and a small annuity. Okay, we, um, we used to, that used to be a more common term. I got my three-legged stool. Yep, um, I got the pension, Social Security, and and something else, whatever the other thing is. You know, usually investments. Yeah. Okay, all three increase the longer I wait. Um, I had planned to retire in 70, three and a half, four years, but I'm having second thoughts. I'd like to start drawing on just one and wait on the others. How do I figure out which one would make the most financial sense to draw first? All right. So social security. So if you wait for social security, you get an 8% delayed retirement credit. Yeah. At that age. That's right. So she's full retirement age. She wants to work until 70. So she's going to receive 8% high benefit per year as she waits. So that one's easy. We, yep. we, we know what that one is. Yep. Push that one out. Do not take that one first. Um, the second one is a small pension. Sure. So what you have to figure out here, Mary, is kind of, it gets complicated because a small pension, I don't know, is there a lump sum benefit? Is there, you know, she, she's single, so it's just going to be a hundred percent survivor. We don't know what the increase is. 
is there a cost of living increase? Sometimes the the weight on a small pension might not make that big of a difference. Sometimes it makes a, right. a, a huge difference or an annuity. So it's that, that one that one's tougher. I think the small pension you might be able to find from the plan administrator what the benefit is now versus three and a half years from now. And you can look at that. The annuity. I, I guarantee it's not going to be an eight percent increase per year. Probably not. Right. Yeah. So so I would yeah, I would agree with that. I think social security is kind of a no-brainer. Keep keep that one going. Between the small pension and the small annuity, you know, you just try it as best you can. Figure out what the benefit is now versus 70, and then whichever one has a higher increase, you keep that one. Yeah. Pretty good with the information we got. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the question, Mary. Jimmy in San Diego. He goes, hi, Joe, Big Alan, Andy. I drive a F-150 pickup. Enjoy Stone Brewery IPA. And he adopted a little German Shepherd or German short-haired pointer. Okay. I wonder if he's like a hunter. Yeah. He's got the F-150 gun rack. I can just Possible. see Jim. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's got like a skull hat not much, on. Not much to hunt in San Diego. Oh, there's plenty. <laughs> Rabbits. <laughs> Could be. Coyotes. <laughs> Uh, I have a question regarding social security benefits as a hypothetical example. If my wife and I both start taking social security retirement benefits this year, I'm 70 years of age and receive $3,000 per month in retirement benefits. My wife is 62 um, of age and receives her own benefit of about a thousand dollars a month. If I were to pass away shortly thereafter, would my 62 year old wife receive the $3,000 higher of the two benefits as a survivor benefit or would it reduce due to age? Thanks for your time. Enjoy the podcast every week. Very good question, Jim. So um, if you take your benefit at age 70, as Jim did, um, he receives an 8% delayed retirement credit sure. each year that he waits after that, full retirement. That would age. be the maximum he'll get. Wait till 70. You got it. And his wife was like, you know what? I'm, I'm starting. I'm starting. I'm not, I'm not waiting. <laughs> I need some little walking around money. <laughs> um, so she takes hers at 62. Yeah. And then, um, you know, Jim's hunting. He's drinking his little IPA. And right. next thing you know, boom. Right. Something happens. Something happens. Yeah. Bad news for Jim. Right. Uh, but the good news for the wife. Uh, because yes, yeah, she would receive the higher of the two benefits, even though she claimed her benefit early and received a 24% reduction on her own benefit. Yes. You would always take the higher of the two. So the strategy usually always is the one with the higher benefit would like to wait as long as they possibly can, because then the surviving spouse would then receive that higher benefit for his or her life. Yeah. And that's different than the spousal benefit, right? Because that does get reduced if you take it early. But survivors different. You lose your spouse. It's you get you get the higher the two benefits, right? And simple as that. Yeah, you lose your spouse. You do. That's <laughs> that's yeah. the bad news. That's the bad news. <laughs> the good, good, news. good news is you get his or her <laughs> social security. It's like okay. So now, now some people are like, really? You know, <laughs> we're gonna, ooh. ooh, we're gonna put someone on the <laughs> With a little crystal oil on the bathroom floor. And, <laughs> and, and it gets more interesting than that because you could get your ex-spouse's benefit too. Yeah, if you were married for 10 years. Yeah, so, right. um, so a lot of different think, rules think when it comes that. to Social Security. Uh, my ex and I were married 35 years. This is Debbie, by the way. Hi, Debbie. Um, he's retired, retired at 65. I'm still working. I'm currently 65 and hope to retire at 66 and a half. Can I receive spousal benefits on his? And then when I retire, I claim my own benefits. We have been divorced for two years. Um, 
Okay, so Debbie wants to claim the spousal benefit. The right. spousal benefit is half of her ex-husband's benefit because they were married for more than 10 years. Sure. So she has the right to claim the spousal benefit at age 65 or 62. doesn't matter. As long as he's claiming his benefit, right. she's good to go. Uh, but if she claims that benefit early, then she's thinking, hey, you know what? I'm going to let my own benefit sure. continue to grow. And so I'll just take the spousal and then I'll flip on and take mine. Yeah. And that's what people used to do. You could do that, but yeah. not anymore. Yeah. It's gone. That is gone, <laughs> gone, gone. Because the, the it's de- there's the deem rules, which is very complicated. But basically in English, all that means is when you, when you take your spousal benefit, then it's as if you took your benefit up to a certain dollar amount. And then that spousal benefit is just a little extra on top of that. So basically you already took your benefits. You can't then switch to a later benefit. Correct. But I have a question that that's, that's for sure. True. When you, before full retirement age, is that still the same at full retirement age to 70? Well, the the spousal benefit is half. Her benefit is going to be larger anyway. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so there's no benefit. There's no benefit at all because her benefit is going to be larger. She's been working 35 years and she wants to retire at 66 and a half. Right. Her husband, um, they split up two years ago. And so the spousal benefit is half of his. Right. So let's say his benefit is 2000. Her spousal benefit is a thousand dollars. Right. And so, but she's taking it at 65. So it's going to be probably $980. Right, because she's taking it a year early than her full retirement age, right? Um, or maybe her full retirement age is the sixty-six and a half. That's why she wants to retire at sixty-six and a half. I don't sure. know. Yeah, maybe. Um, so she's claiming the spousal. Her, I'm guessing her benefit is larger than the spousal benefit. Yeah, well, yeah, and I think that what people used to do is they got they got in essence free money, right? In, in essence, because they let their benefit grow while they're getting the spousal and the IRS, uh, or I should say, our federal government. So that's too good of a deal. We got to shut that down. Right. What she wants to do is this. Let's say her benefit is 2000. His benefit is 2000. She wants to claim the spousal benefit and get a thousand dollars a month today. Right. And then she's going to turn her benefit on once she retires to the $2,000 benefit. She wants that thousand dollar spousal benefit until she turns hers on whenever she retires at 66 and a half. Right. That was a strategy that we would, recommend all the time sure unfortunately probably what now four years ago yeah which probably means six i know <laughs> um yeah they, they got rid of that so unfortunately yep. debbie uh you are out of luck download the 48 page social security handbook for free from the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com for more on ex-spousal spousal and survivor benefits how benefits are calculated when to collect your social security working while taking social security taxation on your benefits the works make sure you get as much social security as you're legally entitled to receive For a personalized, in-depth analysis of your entire financial plan and how to maximize your Social Security, sign up for an assessment from a certified financial planner professional on Joe and Big L's team at Pure Financial Advisors. That's free, too. Download the Social Security Handbook and sign up for a free assessment in the podcast show notes. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to get there. Uh, Alan from Woodbridge, Virginia. Hey, Andy, Big Al, and Mr. Derails. <laughs> so you must he be, knows I'm, who starts all the derails. The derails are mostly you, I guess. <laughs> I just blow myself <laughs> up. Uh, all right. Um, D 
derails. That's like at the end of the show, that, yeah. and I just kind that's of that's all. Like, yeah, that's where I put all of myself. the stuff where you guys go completely off topic and talk off about dance crews and making T-shirts and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, we, gotta, we need to listen to a podcast all the way through, so we every know once in a while, yeah, no. what they're talking about. I just, no. listen, to, I just listen to Andy's intro. And it's like I'm good enough. Yeah, right. Yeah. I know what this show is. Yep, yeah, this is a good one. Uh, thanks for a great podcast that is always informative and occasionally humorous. Uh, I've never composed a limerick. Wow, that's going right? back. Yeah, wow, he's a long time. Right. Uh, my favorite drink is frozen mug root beer. Oh, okay. I'm with Alan. I like it. I'm a, a 1919 fan. You ever had that? That nice. I like it. I'm I'm a bit of a root beer connoisseur, so my favorite is Virgil's. But oh, yeah. okay. Um, I just remember A and W as a kid. That was my favorite. Yeah, because of the the it had A in it or something. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my my father would take me to this little um, local pub restaurant. Um, okay, Mr. Derails. Friday afternoon. Okay. And I swear to God, they had, because um, he would drink beer out the tap and they would have root beer on the tap. Oh, they would. Oh, okay. yeah. 1919. It was right out of the tap, right in the cake. Okay. Wow. It was fantastic. Yeah. Um, okay. So, and I'd listen to you in my red 2010 Toyota Corolla every week during my treacherous commute through Northern Virginia gridlock traffic. Joe. I don't think you are too arrogant. Thank you. Too arrogant. There's so a lot of those there. <laughs> rare one star review throw you off stride. Yeah, we we don't get many one star reviews. Uh, all these one stars just come in. <laughs> but I have to, I have like twenty minutes on a black couch talking to my therapist. <laughs> well, I'll put it this way: we don't get any for a long time, and then we get like two in a row. Oh, yeah. It's all right. The ninja. <laughs> a real life ninja. That was his name. Um, I have a question. On your least favorite subject that you have successfully avoided until now. Uh, okay. <laughs> wow. I'm, a, I'm a federal okay. government uh, worker and will be retiring at the end of 2021. My wife and I have traditional IRAs that will keep a zero balance so we can use them to do backdoor Roths each year. 2022 will be a will be different since in retirement, I plan to move funds from my TSP to my traditional IRA. If I do a backdoor Roth in early 22 and later in the year, move my TSP funds to my traditional IRA, will the pro rata rule, rule <laughs> excuse me, apply uh, to my, yeah, that's the back door. It's just getting me all choked up. <laughs> will the uh, pro rata rule apply to my 2022 backdoor Roth? In other words, does the sequencing matter or only what happens in the year as a whole? Uh, that's a really good question there, Mr. Allen uh, from Woodbridge, Virginia. Um, what's the answer, Big Al? Uh, the answer is, yeah, they take the year as a whole, unfortunately, Alan. So they'll look at your IRA balance at year end, and that's the balance that's used for this pro rata rule. So to do what you're suggesting does not work, unfortunately. Yeah. Keep the money in the TSP till next year. Yeah. If you want to do the, the, the backdoor Roth. Yeah. If you don't care as much, then just go ahead and roll it. But you, you're not able to do that backdoor Roth. Yeah. And I don't know, I guess if you're retiring and you're rolling your TSP into the IRA, um, maybe you just do a larger conversion, right? Because you'll be in a potentially lower income because right. you're retiring at some get, point yeah, through the year. Right. Maybe get, get your money into the Roth that way instead yeah. of the backdoor. Because the backdoor everyone loves this back door. Yes. But that, there's gotta be an alternative way to do this. It doesn't it's, matter. It's you, secret. Can, you can just convert. Yeah. Convert 6,000. Let's say if you don't do the back door, 
<laughs> right? And you got pre-tax money of $6,000 or $7,000 and you convert it. It's the same thing because you, you already pay tax on the $6,000, right? Yeah. And so now you put the after-tax contribution in the IRA. So you're in the 24% tax bracket. Right. You pay 24% on that 6,000. Now it sits in an IRA. And then it has basis in it and you convert it to the Roth and you're like, guess what? I didn't pay any tax on my conversion. Right. But you pay tax on the money coming out. Yeah. Well, unless you pay tax in an earlier year when you're in a lower bracket. Okay. Yeah. That's the exception. (laughs) So let's say you're in the 24% tax bracket and you have $6,000 of pre-tax money that you never pay tax on. Sure. And you convert that. You paid what? 24% tax on that money. Yeah. It's the same, same. Same, same. Yeah. I I, I will buy that. It, it, for a person that's always in the same tax, tax bracket, regardless of the year, that money that you're doing the backdoor Roth with, you already paid tax on it. So it's kind of the same as a Roth conversion. Correct. Okay. I'm with you. But everyone loves the back door. I oh. can't believe they're getting rid of the back door. That's, yeah. The garage Scratch. door, however, in the barn door yeah. is something completely different. The Megatron, yeah, I right. mean, that's going to be a shame if they get rid of that because that's truly something um that, that's a big one th- that's a big one that's a that's a really good strategy right. so the back door is fine it, you, but it's it, like six thousand. you know what i mean <laughs> it's like okay okay yeah, I guess oh god right. i can't do oh man and my life rata, is over that pro rata rule <laughs> killed me oh my gosh the reason why they love it so much is that they don't have a tax bill that they have to pay right you know what i mean sure because they already paid the tax it's out of sight out of mind no big deal right that's why i love the Roth 401k so much because people don't care they don't give a crap about taxes when it when they don't see it, but when they have to write the check, they care. That's when, they care that's a lot. When get everyone's open arms. True. All right, I uh, got Michelle uh, writes in from DCGA. Did she say that, or is that you'll, you? you'll see? Go, she explains go, it in Google, her in her Google, in her question. Okay. She explains it here. You got it. All right. Um, hi, Big Al, Joe, and Andy. Love the show and podcast. Thank you so much for all the great information that you and your team provide your viewers and listeners. Um, I'm 50 year old. Single female federal government employee um, who is seven years away from retirement. Remember that guy that wrote in was like, I'm like two months, seven days, and eight minutes. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think that's common for government employees. Government. They've got the calendar on the wall with X's each day. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Now it's another day. <laughs> another day. God, just looking, staring at that. Can, can I you, can't wait to mark this thing off. Can you imagine living your life like that? Oh, no. Um, I do when I'm when I'm working on this podcast. <laughs> when, you're, when you're with me, yes, I, just, <laughs> it's like, I am. I, it's like one more podcast, uh, one, uh, one more one more segment to go. <laughs> uh, I just transferred from Atlanta to Washington D.C., but upon retirement, I plan to return to Georgia. I'm retire. Um, I'm renting an apartment in D.C. and I also own a condo in downtown Decatur, Georgia. Currently worth two hundred sixty-five thousand, which will be paid off in three years. I have no other debts. My retirement income will consist of a pension approximately $30,000 a year. Social Security, approximately $24,000 a year if that is taken at age 62. Uh, and both a traditional and Roth TSP, currently about 265 and 200 respectively. All right. I also have a Roth IRA, about $140,000. Uh, but those funds are earmarked for long-term care expenses. Uh, 
Oh, okay. We got something to talk about there. Sure. Um, I have no other investments or retirement accounts. Uh, while I'm currently maxing out my Roth TSP, I earn too much to continue to contribute to my Roth IRA. Once I start taking Social Security at age 62, my pension and Social Security will cover most of my estimated $70,000 a year retirement income. Uh, between age 57, when I plan to retire, and age 62, when I plan to take Social Security, I will supplement my pension with savings that I will begin to accumulate after my condo is paid off in three years. Okay. To bridge the gap between my estimated retirement income needed in my pension savings or pension social security, I will draw from my TSP. My question is this, once I retire and I'm finally able to convert my traditional TSP to a Roth IRA, as I am sure you are aware, the federal, uh, the TSP investment board does not allow in-plan conversions. Uh, will I be able to perform the following steps completely tax-free? All right. Step one, open a traditional IRA. Step two, perform a trustee to trustee transfer of my entire traditional TSP balance into my traditional IRA. Number three, look at her with the big, yeah. you know, she must be reading or listening to some other podcasts. <laughs> um, number three, uh, fund a donor advised fund with one half of my traditional IRA balance and convert the other half to a Roth IRA. Thank you. Sincerely, Michelle. Okay, so oh, we got a lot to steps one and two are good. Kind of went off the rails a little bit on three or four. Okay, so first of all, let's let's talk about a few things. All right, so great job. You're you're going to have a federal government employee. You um, you're counting down the minutes, and you're really looking to uh, retire at age fifty seven. Right. A couple of things when you when you first said I have a Roth IRA of $140,000 that I don't want to touch I'm going to let that grow and that's going to be my long-term care policy. Right. Um you don't want to use Roth money for long-term care. I agree with you. Why why do you say that? Because you get a tax deduction. Bingo. For, right, you get so, a, so you don't want tax-free income when you get a tax deduction because your long-term care stay is a medical deduction. So if you're going to earmark anything, it would be your other retirement other funds. retirement accounts. Right. So you have seventy thousand dollars a year in, in uh, long-term care stay. Well, you pay that. It's, right. it's a tax deduction. Right. And then you pull it from your retirement account, and it's going to offset. So it's like tax-free anyway. Right. So you, you just lose a huge deduction if you used your Roth. So hopefully that helps. Um, now, you're taking Social Security at 62 with your pension. Push your Social Security out you know, because you're just going to have a lot larger income later. And then why would you want to give half your wealth to a donor advised fund for a tax deduction and then convert the rest? Yeah, I, I think what she's suggesting is that she takes her IRA and sends half to charity and half to conversion. And so they're, they're offsetting. So she pays no tax. I think I had, a, I read this a couple of times. I think that's what she's saying because she wants to know if she can do this Roth conversion completely tax-free and that, that doesn't work. First of all, you can't put IRA money into a donor advice fund. You would have to withdraw it, pay, pay the, the tax, tax, then put it in a donor advice fund, get the deduction. So those two things are somewhat offsetting, but you still have to pay tax on your conversion. And so that doesn't work. And the problem, you know, even when you're 70 and a half and can do a qualified charitable distribution, which means you, you, you do a contribution directly from your IRA, 
it avoids paying tax on that withdrawal, but you do not get a tax deduction because you never pay tax on that money. So it, it doesn't, this, this doesn't work and you, you wouldn't want to do it anyway. You actually want to save your resources to do just what Joe said is try to push your social security out a little bit further so you can live the a retirement life that you want to live. So, okay. Let me, let me, um, Andy, do I got a couple minutes here? Yep. Um, okay. So let me add this up for her. Um, we got 265, you got 200 and you got 140. So that's 605. Is yeah. that, um, does that seem about right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. So she's going to grind. Um, and, and she's still for, adding to it. Yeah. So she's going to grind for what? Seven more years. Seven more years. Okay. So present value, seven years, call it 6%. And she's probably saving, I don't know what, I'm just going to call it um, 20,000. Yeah. 20 is probably a good number. Hey, payment. All right. So she's going to have, uh, let's see, seven, six, uh, 20. Um, all right. $1.1 million, let's say at age 57. Okay. And that's a combination of Roth and traditional IRA. Sure. And then, so she's like, okay, well, I need to bridge the gap from age 57 to age 62. And then I want to claim my social security right away. Right. But she's got a pension that she can take at age 57 at 30. Yeah. Right. I like that. So if she's spending $70,000 a year, Okay. So there's a shortfall of 40,000 bucks right? until she claims her social security. Right. So 40,000 into 1.1 is about 3.5, yeah. 3.6%, yeah. which is a, it, it's a decent distribution it's, rate. It's, it's reasonable, particularly considering social security will come. Right. So then what I would do to bridge that gap at age 57 is pull the money from the TSP. Right. Because you have a tax, no, no penalty withdrawal at age 55. So you take your 40,000 from your pre-tax money and your social security. Then you take a look at what bracket you're in. Does it make sense to do conversions at that point? Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't, but you're bleeding down your retirement accounts over that time period and still staying in a relatively low tax bracket. Yeah, that is much more sensible. And you, and you save your Roth. You, you probably will use that later on to you, supplement your needs. Correct. Tax-free. And then you, you just push that out until you bleed out your retirement accounts. Now your Roths, are growing and you're going to replace your income with Roth. Now you have your pension. Now you have a lot higher social security benefit and you got a big chunk of money sitting in Roth IRAs, right? You're going to be in the lowest tax bracket from then on until the rest of your life. Yeah. That's, that's the key. If you, if you have enough money in a Roth then you can keep in that lowest bracket because your social security is taxed based on provisional income. Sure. Roth IRA distributions do not count for provisional income. Your social security benefit plus your pension, who knows what provisional income and what those thresholds will look like, but all your other additional dollars would be a hundred percent Roth. Off. By you taking half of your retirement accounts and putting it, if you want to give to charity, by all means, give to charity. But why would you want to do half of it at that age when you have no idea what's going on? And your other half of money is for long-term care. What are you going to live off of? Yeah, I think she was trying to do a tax-free Roth conversion and it doesn't work. And plus, you're going to need the resources to live because you're retiring young, 57. You might need to, you might need money for 40 years, right? right yeah. So um, I would I would kind of change things there. Hopefully that helps. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll spitball back in the envelope. All right, Michelle, thank you, um, and thank you for um, you know doing that federal government service for us. Yes, thank you. Uh, Ra, let's see. Hi, Big Al and Little Joe. Yeah, I love it when people, people call you Little Joe. I just love it. It's so clever. It makes me want to just <laughs> stick around forever. <laughs> Uh, on, on podcast 349, uh, did I hear you say 
that you can't convert a traditional 401k to a Roth IRA until 59 and a half to avoid the 10% penalty? Uh, nope, didn't say that. <laughs> um, I'm 50. It was going to wait 60, but now the, um, the Build Back Better plan, Build Back Better plan, uh, looks like they are going to remove, oh, that's the tax. Yeah, yeah the uh, proposal. The, the proposal. Which may or may not happen. Okay, uh, yes. Looks like they are removing conversions in 10 years. So now I was going to start converting next year, uh, but not if there's a penalty. Uh, Greg writes in, he's from uh, beautiful wine country, Temecula. Okay. Um, no, if you pay the tax in the conversion. So let's say Greg is having a couple um, vinos. Yes, right. In right? beautiful wine country. Yeah. And then he's like, you know what? I'm going to convert. Yeah, I'm just going to pull, <laughs> pull the trigger. Pull, pull, push Tw- the button. 20%, 30% withholdings. <laughs> uh, so you do the conversion from your 401k. And then they ask you, hey, Greg. You want to you want to withhold taxes on this conversion, and you're like, yeah, sure. I don't want to come. I don't want to write a check. <laughs> I don't want to write a check. Just take it out of the account. Well, the tax that you pay from the conversion is subject to the ten percent penalty. Yeah, because not it, the conversion, right? Because basically you received it right to pay the tax. So so that's an early withdrawal. That thirty percent in that example, not the conversion itself, though. Yeah, the conversion itself. How they look at it is like a rollover, right? Where if I take an IRA to another IRA and roll it over into another qualified account, you're fine. But what you did is you took money out that was disqualified. It wasn't a, a qualified con- or, or distribution. So the money that you took out to pay the tax of the IRS, it did go in the Roth, right? It went to the IRS. Right. So that would be a distribution. And if you're under 59 and a half, then that distribution only that you took out to pay the tax would be subject to a 10% penalty. Yeah. Now, if you've got other money outside of your retirement, just sitting in a savings account and use that to pay the tax, no penalty whatsoever. All right. So once again, um, it calls me little Joe and he doesn't even listen. He's just, <laughs> just waiting to write in and say, oh, I think he said this. Yeah. Right. A little gotcha. We got Dogfish Head IPA, Saab, and a wig in the derails coming up at the very end of the episode, so stick around if that's your thing. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com, or you can call 888-994-6257 and schedule your free financial assessment video call. Doesn't matter where you are in the country, chances are one of the certified financial planner professionals at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. I'm, nice. I'm, I'm looking at this dogfish head. What the hell is that all about? <laughs> from Mike? From, from Mike, yeah. Dogfish we gotta, head. Got to look into that. 60-minute IPA. Yeah, 60 minutes. Does it take you 60 minutes to drink it? Not me. <laughs> yeah, I know. But you. It'd probably take me. I can't, I can't you're, drink You're not big IPAs. on IPAs. Yeah. Because um, I like to have more than just two. Got it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> you know what two, two and you're done. It's yeah, like, oh, <laughs> groggy. I don't feel good. Oh, there yeah. it is. 60 minutes. It's a, It's a, It's got a green. Uh, oh, yeah. 60-minute IPA. I might have to look yeah. into that and have someone try it. Yeah. <laughs> have someone it. try it for me. Uh, You've I'll got your own beer you. test, right? Yeah. I mean, I could have like 12 Coors Lights. I have two IPAs and I'm sick for like a week. <laughs> 
Um, Whatever happened to Saab? Yeah, you don't hear about them. I think they they uh, they either went under or got bought somebody by somebody and they just closed her down. I don't know. College roommate had a Saab. Yeah, my one of my girlfriends had a Saab once. Yeah. He also had a wig. A wig? Yep. Saab and a wig. Had a tea out or like a toupee. Got it. Yep. Okay. He was very self-conscious about his toupee as well. Got it. Usually toupees don't work out very well. I didn't even notice. You didn't? No. It was that good. And then like he had a couple of drinks and then one night he freaked out. <laughs> and he's like, you know, this is not my real hair. And I was like, well, now I do. <laughs> well, if his Saab was a convertible, you would know. Oh, yeah. It was, it was definitely a convertible. <laughs> yeah. And you jump in the pool. I don't know. With the, was, the hair would say. Oh, yeah. So did he wow. take it off for you and show you? No. I think it was okay. glued on. Ah, I see. Or no. it could have been the plugs. Probably. Uh, could, I don't know what the Way back then, it would have been like Elmer's glue. Yeah, Something like that. Uh, just a few years ago, University of Florida. No, I was going to say, he's not that old, Al. Way back when. Yeah. 